0: Hi, this is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working With People by PaveStep. The Working With People podcast is for executive managers and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have Brian and Tony here. How are you guys? Doing good. Very well. Awesome. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Today, we're going to be talking about the four-day work week. Something that I think some of our audience have heard. I've definitely heard of it over the last few weeks. But before we dive in, tell us what you do and who you are.
1: This is Tony. I'm going to go first. We are the doobies about doing and being in business, what you need to do. I am the first half. I'm the one who focuses on what you need to do to improve your business results. Fiscal management strategic planning, it's just the start to improving processes, procedures, profitability, as well as the quality of life in your business. I am a recovering CPA and a provisional CFO. I've been consulting small to medium-sized businesses for well over 20 years. I've appeared on Fox Business News, Good Day New York, and been featured in both the New York Times and Cranes New York.
2: Brian? And I'm the other half of the Dubie Associates. I'm Brian Gorman. I am the B-side of the equation, who you need to be in order to most successfully lead your business. My background is in organizational change management. I have decades of experience in that arena, working on supporting organizations as large as Merck in their global transformation in the early 2000s, and very often working with smaller business owners as well. I'm also an executive coach and certified by the International Coach Federation. I'm a member of the Forbes Coaches Council.
0: Thank you again, both for being here. Our topic today is the four-day work week. Now, before we talk about what four-day work week is, how do you define productivity?
1: Well, the question I ask is, is it finished yet? Why not? I looked up the definition of productivity just for fun for today's discussion. And it came out of the effectiveness of productive effort, especially in industry, as measured in terms of the rate of output per unit of output. I like to say productivity is accomplishing tasks efficiently and completely, doing it once, doing it right, requiring minimal effort on the part of all available resources. And keep in mind, productivity is not about perception. It is about results. While we were speaking with some managing partners of a law firm recently, one of the uh, partners was very disappointed to see that the younger staff were not sitting at their desks as late as 8 p.m. in the evening doing their work. I pointed out that they may be getting the work done from home. They could be sitting at their desks and being unproductive. I asked this managing partner, why aren't you focusing on the results?
2: Brian? So for me, productivity is a a ratio, if you will, between how much time you invest and the value that you deliver. The greater the value delivered in any measure of time, the more productive you're being. Sometimes being productive means working in your business. Sometimes it means working on your business, and sometimes the value isn't even seen for months. For example, if you're working to design a new go-to-market strategy, it may be six months before you see the results, but sitting there thinking about that, playing with ideas is productive work.
0: It sounds like how you think about it also is, like you said, it's a ratio, so it's calibrated process. It's output over input meaning that it's per time or per dollar or per number of resources that you put onto it. That's how I define productivity as well. What are some of the most common ways that organizations or employees are unproductive?
1: Well, let's start off and talk about deadlines and due dates. When you ask people to do things, when things are supposed to be done, deadlines, due dates, they're not communicated. They're not adhered to. There's no accountability with consequence, and those aren't met. Another place I like to look at is delegation. Delegation is incomplete, done improperly, or there just isn't any. And once you're delegating to people, what are their job descriptions? Typically they're unclear and that, that contributes greatly to unproductivity. Processes are not structured and that's going back to Brian's earlier point where there's been no investment of time creating efficient procedures and documenting them so that they can be repeated. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I mentioned deadlines and due dates not being communicated. Going back to my favorite movie quote of all time. I just used it with a client recently when we were talking about their underperforming accounting department. The number one culprit that contributes to unproductivity in a business and is a significant cost factor is failure to communicate. All yours, Brian.
2: Thanks, Tony. For me, there are really Two things that I want to add here. One is productivity is lost based on all that stuff that Tony's talking about. When the work gets to the manager and it's wrong or when the work doesn't get to the manager and it's needed, managers, C-suite executives playing firemen is a great source of unproductive behavior. Mm-hmm. The other big thing is not knowing what it is that motivates your employees to get up and come to work in the morning. There are a number of studies that show that the major or certainly a major reason for millennial turnover is a feeling of not being valued, a feeling of not doing something of value. If you don't feel valued, if you don't, feel that you're doing something of value, you're not going to be as productive. Uh, I'll just very briefly reference one study I read that looked at custodians in hospitals. And some custodians in hospitals just barely would manage to get their work done in the allotted time. Mm -hmm. They saw themselves as custodians. But there were others who saw themselves, for example, as healers. And and they'd get their work done, and then they'd go visit patients who they had noticed haven't had visitors. Or there was one example where a custodian, the first thing she would do when she walked into a patient's room would be to look at the ceiling. And when the researcher said, why are you doing that? She said, what do you think the patients are looking at all day long? I want to make sure it's clean. So don't be a fireman. Give them the deadlines. Hold them accountable and find out what motivates your employees and work with that to align the work they're doing with what turns them on.
0: So that makes sense. So you've talked about process, delegation, motivating employees more effectively. Outside of those and more tactically, perhaps, how can organizations improve productivity? What are some of the tips and tricks that you've seen that work really well? Um, and especially as today, you know, right now we're in the middle of the coronavirus situation. If there's anything relevant to that aspect of it as well in terms of remote working, that would also be very beneficial.
2: So the first thing, Harrison, is learn to say no. Mm-hmm. We're all very good at saying yes. We sometimes say yes to bad ideas. We <laughs> often say yes to good ideas and it can't all be done and it doesn't all need to be done. So learn how to say no to that which is not essential for business success. Focus on business imperatives, not good ideas. Tony.
1: Just going back to making that investment in the system, it's important to get input from everyone involved. It's not a dictatorship. Ask the people that are working through the process, what's the best way to do it? Create the system because it's other folks are involved in creating it, they will buy in. Sticking to changes is hard. All the habits die hard. Once you've got processes in place, document, document, document. Now to talk about the coronavirus, I'm working with a client right now and most of the senior team leadership is working virtually and they've really got a nice system down pat. And uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more about this when we do talk about Microsoft in a moment. One of the things I like is when we do have online meetings there is an agenda sent out preliminarily. Everybody reads it beforehand. There is a meeting facilitator, and they tell people once they've gone over time, and they keep it moving. It's an effective meeting, and it's a virtual meeting. So that's just one example of really working with the coronavirus and creating a system that is efficient. And I'm going to leave a few more points for later on as we go through the other questions.
0: That makes sense. So there was a recent study conducted by Microsoft in which they found an increase in productivity implementing the four-day work week. Can you recap this study for us and tell us what your thoughts are on that and whether there are other studies that have supported this four-day work week results?
1: So Microsoft called it the Work-Life Choice Challenge. August of last year, they closed every Friday. They didn't
0: increase people's hours
1: and the other four days of the work. What they saw was a 40% increase in productivity from August 2019 compared to August 2018. And what was really cool was electrical costs decreased substantially for the company because they were closed. Overhead went down. In addition, the Japanese government has launched a campaign called Premium Friday It encourages workers to leave early the last Friday of the month. This has all come to fruition because Japan has long grappled with a culture of overwork problem has been so severe the country country's even coined a term for it. Kiroshi means death by overwork from stress-induced illnesses or severe depression. Now, listen to these facts. Last year, according to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, Americans worked 248 hours a year more than the British, over 400 hours more a week than the Germans. And we were just talking about the Japanese, 106 hours more than the Japanese of U.S. workers say they would prefer a four-day work week. Many companies in the U.K. are moving to the four-day work week. A six-week trial at a New Zealand financial services firm with almost 250 employees was so successful, workers were 20 percent more productive and showed a 24 percent improvement in work-life balance after downshifting to a 32-hour week while still being paid for the 40 hours. I read that a couple of accounting firms have tried squeezing 40 hours into four days, but leave it to accountants to make sure that they don't miss out on the hours. So, you know, just talking about a four-day work week prompts a broader conversation about the way we work. Brian, back to you.
2: Harrison, for Tony and for me, Mm -hmm. four-day work week is not necessarily literally four days a week. We all know business owners who are working seven days a week, who are working day and night. This is a concept. This is about how can you bring more balance into your life by working less while producing the same or more in terms of results. So it might be going from five days to four, or it might be going from five days to three or three and a half. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It might be going from seven days to six days or five days.
0: So what it sounds like is that their productivity went up from a relative perspective, but from a company's perspective, has at the absolute output increased also from these experiments and pilots of the four day work week or whatever uh, the, you know, the length would be.
1: Yes. But according to both studies, the output. Was, was reached in both the New Zealand example and the Microsoft example. Yeah. Wow. It was, you know, the productivity, there were results. Those findings are based on the results.
0: So,
1: yes.
0: Got it. So, it wasn't about per time, it was about absolute. Output. Yes. Got Definitely it. Definitely was. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. Got it. One of the interesting things, and, and I've seen studies on this, and we all know it's true from our own experience work expands to fill the time available. And if that report isn't due until five o'clock Friday, it's probably going to take until about 4:50 to get it done.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty surprised that it was actually on the output basis, which is frankly just unexpected from my mind. Amazing. Right. If you can think about it, if you can think about how much time you can save from an employee perspective and the amount of, work-life balance they can get with this kind of mindset and process in place. Definitely. How does the four day work week address the common unproductive problem? Because there's gotta be a reason why this is working and/or this seems to work. And I know, I think you guys have started to talk about that a little bit, but what do you think the biggest drivers of higher productivity in these four day work week or, or, you know, any kind of processes similar to that is?
2: So, By itself, the four-day work week does nothing Mm -hmm. to change unproductive behavior. What it does is provide a framework and an incentive to make the kinds of changes that we're talking about.
1: And going back to the Microsoft experiment, they focused on two areas, meetings. And I talked a little bit about that when we were talking about Mm -hmm. virtual meetings. Their initial focus was all meetings were reduced to 30 minutes. How many of us have been in a meeting and wished that someone would stop talking? (laughs) The other one was, instead of having conversations in the offices and within amongst people, they encourage people to use inter-office messaging. I've been using Slack with a new client lately, and I love it. Everything that contributes to striving for a four-day work week will increase productivity. These are just two of the examples. Making the effort may not result in a four-day week, it will result in streamlining a lot of the activities.
0: Right. Yeah, so I totally understand much more clearly where you guys are coming from and how you're thinking about the four-day work week. Brian's, you know, line on this is a way of thinking, right, more than more specifically actually just working four days out of the week. And it's got actually much more around the discipline, the process you have to put in place, and the behaviors that people are following in order to become more productive which I think to me makes a, a lot of sense. Absolutely. Definitely.
2: As, as Tony and I, it's about doing and being.
0: Yes, this all of this makes a lot of sense to me personally, and I think for the audience it should, and it probably does. But do you think the four-day workbook is attainable for most organizations? Is there Are there any exceptions? Why or why not?
1: There are two different ways to look at it. There's a part of me that believes it can work for all organizations. Sure, it's a challenge and it may not be doable. Mm -hmm. For example, Shake Shack in Las Vegas. Here's a company that's open a lot of hours. They're trying it out. And what was important as far as trying to do it and putting the efforts behind it, the CEO said, we're having fun trying to do this. I think that is so much of the key because based on the company structure, and Brian's going to address that a little bit more, but from the attitude, the perception of the business owner is so important. Here's a CEO of a restaurant saying that we're going to try to do this. Recently, I was speaking to a group of what was allegedly an elite group of CEOs. I introduced four day work week and I was met with such underwhelming silence. In fact, it was dismissed immediately. I don't know how elite they were, but there it comes down to the perception, and the belief that it can happen. And I think, You know, from from a psychological perspective, any company can try to do these things because it's about streamlining what they do. So believing that you can do it is like believing that you can make some changes to help your business. So I think that's one of the biggest hurdles and resistance that you will have are the business owners who are refused to change.
2: Brian? So picking up on on what Tony's talking about here, we – regularly work with business owners put aside for a second the four-day work week who have visions of where they want to take their business and we really work with them to build strong belief in that you know this is not just wishful thinking there's actual neuroscience about developing new neural pathways to achieve help you achieve what you want to achieve so from that perspective I absolutely do believe that if the business owner wants to bring the business to a four-day work week, they can. Now, for some businesses, they need to be available to their clients seven days a week or five days a week or whatever that might be. And in those cases, you need to put in some extra time figuring out where are your high client demand times where you need to bring in more of your staffing and and where are your lesser demand times. I think the one place that it becomes economically challenging is in those environments that have to be open 24 seven, because if you're reducing the work hours of all of your employees, you need more employees to cover that time.
0: It it may not be right for everybody, but there's definitely a big benefit in, having the mindset to try at the minimum and that it can work for your business. So that makes a lot of sense. Can you comment on the importance of work-life balance and productivity?
2: Absolutely. Productivity requires physical and mental presence. We're most productive when we have a high level of physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual energy. Working seven days a week, working 16 hours a day, depletes all of those sources <laughs> of energy for us so overwork burnout hurts productivity one of the important things about balance though harrison is we have to keep in mind that it's dynamic and tony mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that he's a recovering cpa there are times of the year when cpas have to be working 5 6 in some cases, seven days a week. But bring balance to that. Don't just cut it back to five after tax season. Make arrangements so that maybe it's two or three days a week or four days a week. Balance is dynamic, and it is achievable. And it's critical for successful business productivity.
1: And Just in closing, you know, in the companies that have tried it, it's clear that individuals, given less time to complete tasks, Along with the opportunity to spend more time at home, their productivity increases. And I do like to think that you have a family at home and you also have a family at work. And you look at that work-life balance. If your family at home is happier that you're home, if your family at work is happier that things are getting done more efficiently and have the opportunity and the choices to do the things that they want to do. Wouldn't that just increase your happiness, both at work and home? I mean, it, it's really a no-brainer the way I look at it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it. I think this is, you know, one of the more controversial topics for sure uh, over the last several months in the world of work and world of HR. I really appreciate your insights and tactical advice here. Where can the audience find you in your thought leadership?
2: We are located online at... Do D O hyphen associates dot com. And they can reach out to either Tony at doobie dot com or Brian at doobie dot com.
1: We're on Twitter as well and soon to be on Instagram
2: and soon to be having our own podcast.
1: Awesome. And just cool. remember when times get tough in business,
0: it's doobie time. <laughs> like that. Well, thank you for listening to Working With People by Paystep. If you like this episode, feel free to check us out on paystep.com slash podcast. Thank you both for coming on. Thank you, thank Eric. Thank you.